For the week of July 18th, 2017, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Stephen Cox. Hello. On the show today, we talk all about healthcare. First, with Leslie Mark. She is one of the heads of Indivisible Kansas City about her group's work in successfully pressuring their state senator, Jerry Moran, to vote no on the ACA repeal. And then we have an interview with Julie Negrin. She is a severely ill Seattle area woman who had pledged to end her life-saving treatment if the ACA was repealed. We will have our call to action and also our dose of good news. So, uh, what a difference today makes, right? Um, I, like you, had absolutely no idea what the last 24 hours would bring, which is kind of a, it's kind of a theme these days, I suppose. I had planned on making this show completely dedicated to healthcare in honor of National Indivisible's call for this to be a day of action and to hashtag kill the bill. We had an interview with Planned Parenthood of the Greater Pacific Northwest and Hawaiian Islands about their take on the BCRA, otherwise known as Trump Care 2.0. And then, as of Monday night, two GOP senators, Mike Lee of Utah and Jerry Moran of Kansas, defected and said that they would vote no on the bill, ironically because it didn't go far enough in stripping health care from over 20 million people. And that, well, that killed the bill. And then, Tuesday morning, after Senate Leader Mitch McConnell had said that he would next be proposing a straight Obamacare repeal with no replacement, or, well, one to be determined later on, apparently, then three, quote-unquote, moderate senators announced that they wouldn't vote for that. And now, well, here we are. Believe me, nobody was happier than I was to not have a show as of this morning. Now, I was very fortunate and excited to connect today with Leslie Mark. She is one of the board members of Indivisible Kansas City, a group that worked very successfully to pressure Senator Jerry Moran to vote no. I started our interview by asking her what the mood was like among her group today in Kansas City. Uh, you know, it, we were really excited last night, um, put, sort of stunned disbelief, I would say, as, as news broke uh, around 8.30 our time, uh, and quickly had to think through how we were going to take our kill the bill rally, uh, because we, we had thought it was going to be motion to uh, progress um, uh, that, that morning. Uh, this morning. And this, as of the recording of this, this is July 18th. This was meant to be the day of action as called by the National yeah. Indivisible Group. So, yeah. Indivisible. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But it was also supposed to be a day of action on, by the Senate leadership. Uh, <laughs> and it, it turned out to be anything. But um, so we we quickly wanted to say, you know, we're very sanguine here in Kansas, living in the red reddest of red states that uh, something like this did not necessarily mean that we would be letting up pressure or, or all of a sudden, you know, roses were going to be popping out along the path and the yellow brick road was paved. That's uh, a good Kansas reference, by the way. Of course, of <laughs> course. Uh, but we really had to make sure that we also said thank you to Senator Moran uh, for, for kind of putting a pause button on it, or so we thought. And um, and so we, we orchestrated a hashtag thanks Moran as well as hashtag kill the bill and prepared to to make a actually I did make a large thank you card for the staff um, because we we meet with them regularly and they got to put up with us too so um, so that was kind of the gist of how we set out for the morning 
And um, it was in the middle of our speakers and, and sidewalk chants and, and stuff that we, um, that we got news that he, in fact, was going to support uh, clean repeal and no replace that McConnell was floating. And, um, and so it was quite a roller coaster this morning. Yeah. We were pretty much uh, devastated by that news. And then my political thinking hat went on, and I, I realized it was probably all part of a, a bigger preordained plan worked out for Lee and Moran, Senators Lee and Moran, to sort of take the initial plunge, and then probably for, for Senators Mikowski and Collins, and um, I think it was Kant uh, as well. Uh, it was actually Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia. So oh, it was Capito. three, three right. women That's senators right. who right. ultimately sunk the, uh, sunk the move to repeal. Right. And I, and I, you know, the really cynical Politico person in me says that was also probably preordained. So um, you may not be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> provides a lot of coverage uh, for a lot of different people. And um, and it allows McConnell a little breathing room with his rebellious flanks. Um, and he's got a couple of flanks, not just, you know, one. So. I think most people were expecting that with this particular, and and this is going back to Monday, this is the second version of the BCRA, uh, the one that your senator voted against. I think a lot of people were expecting that it was going to be one of the more moderate senators like a Rob Portman or a Dean Heller who might have pulled the plug. Uh, But as you say, uh, it caught you by surprise that that Jerry Moran was the one to do it. And I, I... because many people outside of Kansas haven't heard Jerry Moran's name, can you give us an idea of his history as a senator? Uh, he was one of the first members of sure. the original Senate Tea Party Caucus, right? So, uh, well, yeah, he was. He, he came out of the uh, large uh, congressional district, the, the western first district of Kansas. It is um, rugged and, you know, the plains people are ranchers and um, cattlemen and oil and uh, very traditional um, and he he uses that base, which is deep, his taproots are deep there, to continue to feed sort of his senses about what is the right thing to do. So he brings with him a, a very strong sense of, of Kansas common sense. That, that gets touted all the time. Uh, but I would say that for Jerry Moran, he likes to really hang out with that crowd. And he does not like a lot of spotlight on him. And that's how he operates in Washington. There's actually a fantastic picture that was captured, I think, by AP or used anyway by AP, John Hanna, great writer, great political uh, uh, keen sense um, today that shows Jerry hopping the train line under the Capitol to try and get away from the bevy of reporters that was waiting to (laughs) run him down. So he really doesn't like the spotlight. No, he doesn't. And that's why you haven't heard of him. So let's talk about some of the ways that your indivisible group worked to pressure Senator Moran on the health care repeal. What was your strategy with him? Um, Well, first of all, we don't work alone. So uh, we are blessed in this state with some amazing organizations, grassroots organizations that have been working for a long time because the big news in November wasn't, uh, wasn't just the disaster that was the national election. Uh, it was really a, a, a shift away from the far right in Kansas to some moderates. Uh, this happened at the state house level. 
And it happened in response to sort of overreach by our governor, Sam Brownback. You, you know, it's interesting that you bring him up because I was wondering if that played into this at all. And for people who are listening who maybe aren't familiar, uh, Sam Brownback, when he was governor recently, chose to use the state of Kansas as his own personal laboratory to see if Reaganomics and trickle-down economics would actually work. And so he cut taxes to virtually zero there with uh, disastrous effects, right? Yeah, absolutely. He, he decided it was a big Petri dish and, <laughs> and he was going to experiment and people bought into it. And it, it grew some mighty nasty stuff. And uh, it has raked our budget through the coals and, uh, and set it on fire. We've raided transportation funds uh, on a one-time basis to try and cover uh, some of the crazy uh, expenditure holes that were created by this uh, tax relief. Um, and, uh, you know, it was on, on people who really didn't need that kind of tax relief in the first place. So Moran is coming out of that environment, right, where, where state house politics started to have some fairly minute <laughs> but steady inroads. And it was done by groups like Game on Kansas, which is a school-focused group because it was the school budgets that took the biggest hit, um, Stand Up Blue Valley, Women for Kansas, which is more out of Wichita. We had also very key partners uh, in mm. Alliance for Healthy Kansas, which is all kinds of stakeholders in the health industry from you know hospital groups to Medicare delivery people um, to all kinds of issue advocacy groups, all under this umbrella, the Alliance for Healthy Kansas. That's how we began to network and use and leverage their uh, list of people as well as our list of people. We did it with phone calls, to be sure. Um, but we would have things like early on, right at the beginning of baseball season, we had a spring training. <laughs> we have some fantastic graphic designers who came up with some awesome posters that look just like a baseball field and uh, we were going to hit home runs with you, teaching you how to, you know, make phone calls, go visit, and, and then we would role play phone calls and we would teach people the importance of writing letters. What does it sound like? What does it feel like when you've got a topic and you've got to sound off, but you need your senator or staff to read your letter? So we, we had workshops, a spring training round robin, if you will, um, and also letters to the editor and, you know, web uh, presence. How do you, how do you tweet? Um, and the mantra is always, this is great. We're so happy you came and we get their information. Bring two next time. Bring two more with you <laughs> and try, try to grow it you know, each time. That is a really solid strategy. Uh, well, Leslie, Mark, uh, on behalf of Indivisible Groups here in Washington State and across the country, we just want to say uh, thanks for your great work and congratulations. Well, thanks, Stefan, and um, thanks to people in Seattle today were awesome, posting all kinds of encouraging comments, and we decided to celebrate um, by having a little internal memo board where we were just putting them up and saying, wow, people think we're doing something. <laughs> this is so cool. So we, we did have a little virtual celebration because we weren't all together today, but we have a, a, a big group meeting tomorrow in Missouri to rally some Missouri folks. So we'll, we'll be sure to celebrate tomorrow, too. Well, we're with you in spirit. Thanks, Stefan. We feel it, definitely.
Time now for this week's call to action. But first, our dose of good news. And for that, we shall look no further than the failure of Mitch McConnell and the Senate to push through the ACA repeal that would have deprived tens of millions of Americans of their health coverage. It went down to defeat, as we just discussed, on Monday night and then on Tuesday after McConnell attempted to uh, introduce a measure for the straight repeal of the ACA. That failed, too. Setting aside the fact that it's kind of hard to fathom that we live in a country that would even consider doing something like what McConnell and the Senate Republicans wanted to do in the first place, this is our political reality, and as such, we will call this a victory. And, you know, actually, given the fact that the Democrats in Congress are the minority in both houses, I think we can place this victory squarely on the shoulders of the people. People like you, because if it weren't for the relentless pressure that groups like Indivisible have been putting on members of Congress on this and other issues, what went down in the Senate probably wouldn't have happened. Democratic members wouldn't have felt as emboldened to speak out as forcefully as they did. And GOP members would have felt even more inclined to just simply go along with their party like it was business as usual. But this is not business as usual. But this is not business as usual. A particular member of Congress who has been feeling the pressure, uh, I won't name names, but uh, it rhymes with Dave Reichert, was said to remark in a recent one-on-one meeting with Indivisible members that he remembers the pressure the Tea Party put on him, and it was, quote, nothing like this. That's a feather in our collective cap, gang. What we are doing is working. So let's keep it up. And so for this week's call to action, let's enjoy this moment. We have called upon people to celebrate previous victories, including repelling the first House attempt at repealing the ACA. We thought the whole thing was over then, and it turned out it wasn't. There are, of course, no guarantees this time around. My gut tells me that McConnell just wanted this whole thing off his desk once and for all and probably won't be coming back to it. My gut has been wrong before. And while this time feels more final, we, of course, should not get complacent. But to everyone who protested, who attended rallies, who wrote letters to the editor, who called our members of Congress, to everybody who did whatever they could, this is a win. Let's enjoy it. That is this week's Call to Action. My next guest is a woman named Julie Negrin. You may be familiar with Julie's story, which was profiled on King 5 recently. Julie has a hereditary condition, which has resulted in horrific health problems, including four different cancers that have just racked her body. She has relied on the ACA exchange for her health care. And a couple of weeks ago, in the middle of senators wrangling over the ACA repeal, she wrote a public letter to the Senate stating that if Obamacare was overturned, she would refuse treatment in protest, a decision that would result in her death by dehydration in a matter of days. Like I say, when we spoke, we didn't know what was coming. And as of right now, Julie is guardedly optimistic, but of course, we can never tell the future. So I decided to run the interview as it is. First, because I think it's important to know what the consequence of the Senate's plan ultimately could have been. 
and also because I wanted to highlight Julie's story and her incredible bravery. So here's the piece. So you have endured just horrific health problems. Do, do I have that number right? You've had four unrelated cancers? That is correct, yes, four unrelated. I have a genetic condition called Lynch syndrome. And that syndrome has resulted in cancers that have required surgeries to remove a number of your internal organs, yes? Correct, yeah. I lost four organs in 2014, and I had ovarian, endometrial, and colon cancer, all, all separate cancers, but all at once. Wow. Now, previously, you received coverage from an insurer that was part of the ACA exchange, correct? But they said that they're leaving the exchange. Yeah, Blue Shield. um, It's called Regents Blue Shield in Washington State. But I got the letter a couple weeks ago, and I'm I'm guessing that the shenanigans in D.C. led to them deciding they wanted out. Um, And it's pretty interesting because they actually came out against the Ted Cruz bill uh, last week and said that it was completely unworkable, but yet they pulled out of the exchange. So what sort of treatment had that coverage been paying for, for you? Oh my gosh. I've been on it. I got sick that winter of 2014. So the ACA just kicked in. So it's covered me through chemo. I think my surgery was still on my Cobra plan, but chemo, I don't know, maybe it was overlapped, to be honest. I can't, I can't remember some of the details around that time. But sure. part, maybe part of my surgery, chemo, uh, hospital stay. Um, in California, Blue Shield covered acupuncture as much as I wanted, which was phenomenal. That helped a lot with my pain. It helped with a lot with the chemo side effects, um, sleep issues. I went into menopause instantly after my surgery because I was only 42, so um, I had a lot of issues around that, and acupuncture was amazing. Nutritionist, um, naturopathic doctors, uh, it does cover chiropractic. For I've had a lot of back pain because they the, the surgeries caused a lot of nerve endings. Sorry about the beeping. I'm giving myself IV fluids, and it's a little noisy. No, it's okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a... This, and then, of course, on those are all kind of my helping my body stay from completely breaking down. And then I have, of course, lots of cancer screenings, colonoscopies, um, lots of different medical. And then in the last year and a half or two years now, I've been on IV hydration um, since I lost the colon and my adrenal glands don't work anymore. I can't stay hydrated on my own. And that um, helps a lot with my digestion and pain. If I don't get the IV fluids, I'm, I'm a bit of a mess. And so if the ACA is repealed, then all of that coverage goes away. I don't know. I don't know what, what I'll lose per detail, but I could get charged thousands of dollars to have those services. I could be discriminated against because I have so many pre-existing conditions. I could end up in a high-risk sick pool with a lot of other people. Um, there's, it's it's kind of unknown what would happen and how fast and what would happen in, in Washington state. But I, I, the reason why I was willing to make this pledge and take a risk was that Washington region's blue shield letter saying they're, they're pulling out of the exchange and I'm going to have to figure something else out really hit home. Like this is happening. We're starting to get letters that are obviously from what's happening in DC and I, I can't take any I can't take any chances. I'm too I'm too medically fragile. 
What specifically was the tipping point then that led you to take this step to refuse treatment as a protest? Um, I think two things happened last Thursday. I got the results back from a GI test that I was really counting on having um, some information for me because I've been trying to figure out why I can't eat much for for a couple years now. And the results were inconclusive, and I was just I've just been struggling and struggling to get answers from really, I mean, we're in a top-notch healthcare city. So I just felt really disheartened that if I can't get answers now, how the heck am I going to keep myself alive if the ACA is repealed? And then uh, the second thing was hearing that Ted Cruz's amendment came out, that it was even worse than all, all the other ones, which I've been following closely and knew that those were all awful. So the fact that it was even worse was hard to imagine. Um, and that was kind of those two things happening in the same 24 hours. It was just like, I, I'm dead anyway, so I might as well do something useful. And that leads me to ask about the part of your Facebook message that talks about self-sacrifice, that you have pledged to make an enormous self-sacrifice. Can you talk about how you hope that is being seen and received? Yeah, I just, I'm... I have a lot of, I have a wonderful online community. I have a wonderful Seattle community and people all over the country and world really that have been so supportive of me. Um, And I think that it's just been hard to kind of be in a vulnerable position and live now in a disabled body and still have, I think the world perceive me as able-bodied. And um, I don't know if, Every, I just didn't feel like the entire world was really grasping, and I'm talking about everywhere on social media and the media, um, Twitter, resistance, everything, um, that I, there didn't seem to be a, a sense of urgency that, that the disabled community and people with kids who are medically fragile, that we were all feeling, and we were all posting and sharing, and, and I just wasn't seeing the kind of... Um, uh, I wasn't seeing the woman with the medically fragile disabled child uh, um, being highlighted by any major media outlets. I wasn't seeing that this, how badly this would destroy our economy and our medical system and um, enough. I didn't, wasn't seeing what I thought should have been happening after that Ted Cruz bill came out. Right. So for me to, to do something like this is enabling me to get the story out and to, create a platform for it and to put healthcare back into the spotlight. And if putting myself in a vulnerable position, um, well, I'm already in a vulnerable position of putting myself in the line of fire in protest helps in any way, shape or form prevent this bill from passing. That's worth dying for to me. I mean, I already live at the brink of death and it's hard for people who don't to understand, but I know that my, friends that are in and out of chemo and, and disabled. And we, I live in a different realm than the rest of uh, most able-bodied people. I just, I've, 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 I get tested for up to 10, you know, I don't get tested, but I, I'm at risk for up to 10 cancers. I get tested for a lot of cancer. I could, they could tell me next month that I, you know, I have pancreatic. That's one of the ones that I'm at risk for and that I have, you know, six to eight months. So 
I already live in that world. Why not do something worthwhile for, for my community and for my family and for the kids in my family and for the country? I was kind of in a really stressed out space the few days after I posted the pledge and after being with family yesterday and kind of, you know, talking to my therapist today, I'm feeling a lot more centered and I'm, I'm at peace with my decision. I'm okay with it. I'm proud of it. And um, I'm re- I feel like I'm kind of ready to push it out to the, to, po- to the politicians now. I don't know if I was ready before. Yeah. Well, Julie Negrin, I, I just want to thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your story with us. Sure. No, happy to happy to talk to you. I'm glad. Thank you to ev- all indivisible um, people all over Washington State. You guys are awesome. You know I love you. So thank you to everyone. You know, and you and you, Stephen, for getting the word out and doing everything you can do. We'll just have to keep working at this and and doing it whatever we can to fight uh, fight for our democracy. I will mention that Julie will be speaking and sharing her story at the town hall this Saturday, July 22nd, from 3 to 5 p.m. at Green River Community College in Auburn. Uh, Also speaking will be National Indivisible's Melissa Showit, talking about Indivisible's agenda moving forward, as well as Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, who will also be having a QA. and a We would love to see you all there. And that will do it for this week's Washington State Indivisible podcast. Please, as always, continue to stay in touch. I love hearing from you guys. The email address is WashingtonIndivisiblePod at gmail.com. Again, WashingtonIndivisiblePod at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. Thank you again to my guests, Leslie Mark and Julie Negrin, and thank you, as always, for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>